that if we understood what trauma has done to us, what it has done to our bodies, to our brains, to our nervous systems, to our view of life, the way that we hear things that people say, the way that we see how the world works. If we really understood, I don't think that we would have anything else but self-compassion and compassion for those parts of us that learned how to survive, that learned how to cope. Hello, this is Jerry Henderson, and welcome to the Permission to Love podcast, where we discuss how we can give ourselves the permission to love ourselves. We're working to build a community where self-love is normalized. Each week, we discuss topics such as self-love, what is it, what is it not. We also look at how we become our own healers through the power of loving ourselves. And finally, we take a practical look at proven ways to identify and remove the barriers that are standing in the way from our own love, such as trauma, shame, addictions, and other painful life experiences. I'm so grateful that you're here, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to today's episode. I'm still here enjoying the beautiful country of Brazil here in Sao Paulo. And for my Brazilian friends, oi, toto bem. Beautiful language, beautiful country, and amazing food, I have to say. Love the food here. So before we jump into today's episode, do want to remind you once again, please follow if you haven't had a chance to do so. It keeps you updated on new episodes and other updates about the show. And if you haven't had a chance to review the show, please do so. It would mean a lot to me and continue to help the reach of the podcast. So today I want to talk about how trauma has trained us to lie how trauma trained us to lie. Now, I've got a few disclaimers that I want to share before I get into this subject. One, this is not a show about the morality of lying, of trying to bring any sense of judgment around what lying is, what that means to me, what that might mean to you, etc. So it's nothing about that. There's no judgment on this show in any way, shape, or form. I'm also not saying that all lying comes from trauma. There's lying that happens all the time that has nothing to do with trauma. I'm also not saying that we should make excuses for lying. I'm not saying that it's okay to lie. And I'm also not saying that everybody who's experienced trauma winds up in a pattern of lying or has a broken relationship with the truth. Many of you who've experienced trauma haven't had to struggle with this. This is simply an episode about the impact that trauma has on our relationship with truth and how it taught us and trained us to lie as a survival mechanism and as a way to stay safe. So in this episode, I want to cover three primary things. How did trauma train us to lie? Number two, how can we remove the shame around that survival mechanism or that reaction of lying? And number three, how can we start living in the truth that's aligned with who we are at our core? So let's go ahead and start with number one. How did trauma train us to lie? And I'm not talking about the little white lie, the occasional, I'm late to work because of traffic, or yes, these jeans look great on you, etc., whatever that is. I'm actually talking about the type of lying that's compulsive, that's almost habitual to the point where you lie about things and you don't even know why you lied about it. It doesn't make sense that you lied about that thing and you walk away scratching your head and it's just this trigger that happens and this autopilot thing that happens around lying. 
So that's the type of lying I'm talking about here. And it's the part that we just feel like it's out of control and almost like somebody else shows up in that moment. And I often think that anything that's like that, that's compulsive, that's autopilot, really is an invitation for us to dig into what's going on behind that and then beginning to learn to heal that so that that compulsive or autopilot behavior stops showing up in our life. So how did trauma teach us to lie? How did it become this coping mechanism, this survival mechanism where we got trained that lying was in our best interest and was something that was going to keep us safe? Well, there's a lot of reasons, and I won't be able to cover them all, but I do want to touch on a few. And the first one being that the very people that were causing the abuse, the people who were causing the trauma in our lives, asked us to lie about it, asked us to keep it secret and asked us to act like nothing was going on and that everything was okay. And just a small example of this from my personal story is I can remember many times where we'd be on our way to a family event, and before we got there, uh, something traumatic would happen. Some type of abuse would happen in the car. And as we were pulling up, I'd be warned to not tell the truth about what happened, because if I did, there'd be more consequences when I got home. So I was informed that I needed to make up a story about why I was crying, whether that was that I hit my head getting out of the car, shut my finger in the door, or whatever story I needed to make up. Well, as we went in the house, sure enough, people would ask, why are you upset? What happened? And you make up the story you tell, and the whole time, the abuser is looking at you, watching you to see what you're going to say and what you're going to do. So you tell the story, you tell the lie, and then they come over. And they say, well, yeah, you know how he is. He's clumsy. He's always doing these kind of things to himself. So lying was getting wired into my system as a very complex survival mechanism. I was lying out of fear. I wanted to stay safe. I was afraid of the truth because the truth was going to get me in more trouble. I was lying to protect somebody who was my abuser. And then finally, an authority figure, somebody who was supposed to teach me the difference between right and wrong, was telling me that I had to lie. And so what's happening for us, for those of us who lived in that type of environment and were asked to lie about it, lying, secrecy, and deception become normalized. It becomes the way of life, it becomes what you do, and it gets wired in your system as a coping mechanism, but also as a pattern and as the way you just do life. So let's go ahead and move on to some other ways that trauma taught us how to lie. Well, you might have had to protect a family member. You might have had to protect a parent who, if you knew you told the truth about what they were doing or where they were, what they spent money on, or whatever the scenario was, that if you told the truth when the other parent asked you about what happened, you knew that that could potentially result in abuse to the other parent. So you lied. You lied to keep them safe. You lied to protect them. And once again, you're being put in a position where the truth is confusing, the truth is not safe, and you're learning to lie to help others and to keep yourself safe as well. So another way that trauma taught us to lie was to lie about our emotions, our feelings, what was going on inside of us, because we knew if we were honest about what was actually going on inside of us, how hurt we were, how angry we were, how upset we were at that person, and we were to express that, 
we knew that that could potentially result in more anger and more abuse. So we had to lie about how we felt and we had to hold back how we felt. So when we were asked if we were upset and how we were feeling, we lied. We said we're okay, everything's fine, or whatever the story was that we built. Now, this also began to disconnect us from our emotions. We began to shut our emotions down because those emotions were unsafe and would cause more pain for us, which then later in life, we continue to lie to ourselves about what we're feeling, what's going on inside of us, and we have to do the work of reconnecting with the emotions and what's going on inside of us. Another reason we lied is we just wanted to avoid the shame that went with the abuse that we were experiencing. We didn't want other people to know about what was going on at home. Even if we were asked if everything was okay at home, there was so much fear of exposing what was happening and the corresponding shame that would have been felt around that. We kept it secret. We kept it hidden. And we lied and we said everything was okay. We acted like it was all good. And we knew in our heart and we knew in our mind that it wasn't. And what often happens to people who are experiencing trauma and abuse is that they feel like somehow it's their fault. So lying about it is also a protection mechanism for ourselves because somehow we feel like we're at fault for it. And so we don't want to tell other people about it because there's shame attached to the part of like, what's wrong with me that this is happening to me? Which for me, I think is where a lot of my imposter syndrome came from later. I'm faking that everything's okay. I know it's not. I feel like an imposter, I feel like a fake, I feel like a fraud, and then later in life, I've been so trained for that to be a behavior, that to be a response mechanism, that I'm walking around with that feeling of being an imposter, being afraid that I'm going to be found out. So we're going to do an episode on the imposter syndrome later. We're going to talk more about how that got wired into our system. But for now, I just want to say that, yeah, a big part of lying was the fact that we just didn't want to feel the shame and we didn't want to be shamed for the trauma that we were experiencing. Which leads me to my final point around how trauma taught us to lie. And it's the biggest lie. It's the lie about who we are. Trauma tries to teach us and to tell us that there's something wrong with us. Even to the point of trying to convince us that we did something wrong. That maybe we deserve the abuse. We deserve the trauma. All of those lies begin to creep in and begin to tell us that there's something wrong with us as a result of what we experienced. That is the biggest flat-out lie that trauma has, and it gets embedded in our systems. We wind up with all of these coping mechanisms to try to survive or try to push that lie at bay. There's no bigger lie that comes from trauma than the fact that it tells you that there's something wrong with you, that you somehow deserved it, that you're unworthy of love, that you're broken, or that you're flawed. All of those things have their source and their origin in that trauma, and they're flat out wrong, and they're a lie. And so now I do want to start moving on to talking about how can we remove the shame around trauma-related lying or using lying as a coping mechanism for trauma. You know, I really, really, really believe that if we understood what trauma has done to us, what it has done to our bodies, to our brains, to our nervous systems, to our view of life, the way that we hear things that people say, the way that we see how the world works. If we really understood what that did, 
to us, how that fragmentation and the various parts of us that became exiles, protectors, firefighters, all the things that Dr. Richard Schwartz talks about in his wonderful work around internal family systems. But if we really understood it, I don't think that we would have anything else but self-compassion and compassion for those parts of us that learned how to survive, that learned how to cope. You know, all the things that we walk around judging ourselves for, the fact that we're awkward in this interaction or that we feel so insecure about this, or we really doubt our ability to do X, Y, or Z, all of these things that we think are so bad about us, and even the coping mechanisms of addictions and lying or whatever it is, like we're talking about on today's episode, when we see that those things were birthed and came forth from trauma as a way to protect us and keep us safe, there's going to be a lot of compassion that begins to develop towards us as a result of that. And we can begin to release the judgment from ourselves and begin to love ourselves. Because as long as we're judging ourselves, we're going to stay stuck. And when we begin to love ourselves, we begin to unleash the greatest power that we have to bring healing into our lives, which is our own love and compassion. So as an exercise around removing the shame, I want to encourage you to do something. And you can practice this off of two things. You can either do it in the moment where you found yourself telling a lie, or you can sit down and reflect on a time that you told a lie and you feel really bad about it. So what I want to encourage you to do is to ask yourself a set of questions. Take a moment and begin to reflect. Who was it who learned to tell those type of lies? Why were they telling the lies. Can you see them? Can you connect with that part of yourself? Is it a four-year-old girl who had to tell lies in order to stay safe? Is it a seven-year-old boy who couldn't tell the truth without experiencing pain, violence, abuse? Did you lie because if you didn't lie, you were told something worse would happen to you or to others? I want you to try to visualize this part of you, that part of you that you can see as a little person or in a traumatic relationship later in life, that you can see why those lies were being told and how those lies started to get wired into your system as a protection mechanism. Can you see why they did it, why you did it? Can you see how they were protecting you and how this was a defense mechanism and for their safety? Once you begin to really get a picture of that and you can really begin to connect with that, you can say that I'm sorry that you had to do that to be safe. I'm sorry that you experienced that trauma. And then you can start moving to talking to yourself about it that you're sorry that you had to experience that, that you're sorry that that trauma was in your life, and you begin to love yourself. And the reason I'm asking you to connect with the child first and then move to yourself is because when we connect with the child part of us, it's a lot easier for us to have compassion. It's a lot easier for us to have empathy and love towards that part of ourselves and so once we start to do that, we begin to develop that energy of self-compassion 
And then we can start to move it towards us in this present moment and begin to see us as a 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, whatever the age is, and then begin to release that same loving energy towards ourselves and begin to tell ourselves that we're sorry that we had to experience that, that we're sorry our relationship with truth got broken, and that we got trained to lie as a survival mechanism. You know, the crazy thing about these coping mechanisms or these defense mechanisms, they get embedded, they get wired, and they don't just simply go away because a biological clock is ticking. We think that I'm just going to get older and that stuff's going to fall off, but I don't think so. I think the part of us that use that as a coping mechanism, as a survival mechanism, is still trapped in that thinking thinking that a lie is in our best interest. And so that's why sometimes that popping up of a lie happens. You know, there's some research that was published in Nature Neuroscience talking about how lying will actually cool down or calm down our amygdala when that lying is done so for our self-interest. So think about that amygdala having the response that something feels dangerous or something feels unsafe, so it goes to what it's learned to do, which is to kick up a lie in order to stay safe. So if that's the case in a study like this that was done simply around competitive lying, think about how much more the amygdala is reacting when somebody who's experienced trauma is put in a place of having to lie, and think about how much more that amygdala gets calmed down when somebody tells a lie thinking that they're going to stay safe. So as we view it this way, the part of us that got trained to lie, the part of us that got wired to lie, that's dealing with an amygdala that's thinking that this is my best option to stay safe and to avoid additional drama. So I hope you can see through all of this that there's some real compassion and grace and mercy that you should be having for yourself. Now, does that mean that we want to continue to live that way? No. Does that mean we don't have accountability for the lies that we tell or the dishonesty that we display today? No. It doesn't excuse any of that. That's not, once again, what this episode's about. It's about changing the energy that we have with ourselves around this from a place of shame and judgment so that we can open up that part of ourselves, begin to build trust with that part of ourselves, and begin to heal that part of ourselves so we don't need the lies anymore to feel a sense of safety. So let's go ahead and move on to the final part, which is how do we start living in truth? Or to say it a different way, how do we begin to practice telling the truth? Now, for some of you, you're going to say, listen, that's it. I've just decided I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm going to be aligned with the truth. I'm done with it. I'm moving on. And that's it. Hey, I totally celebrate that. Totally get that. And I'm so grateful that that's your journey and that's your story. And then there's going to be others who you're probably going to need a little bit of time with this. You're going to need some time to work this out. You're going to need some time to retrain your system. So I want to talk about some of the things that will help you do that. So number one, how do we start living in the truth? Well, the first place we're going to have to start is telling the truth to ourselves. A person who can't be honest with themselves is going to struggle to be honest with others. Because remember, trauma didn't just break or mess up our relationship in telling the truth to others. It also messed up our relationship in telling the truth to ourselves. And so as we're learning to heal, we want to start with ourselves. And I'll start with a couple examples from my life. One, I lied to myself for so many years that I could manage my drinking. 
I told that lie to myself that I could just have one, that someday I'm going to figure out how to manage my drinking, that I'm not the type of person who can't figure out how to just have one drink and enjoy a social activity. Well, that was a lie. I had to come to the harsh reality and I had to tell myself the truth that my drinking was an absolute problem and that if I kept doing it, I wasn't going to be on this planet much longer. And I had to tell myself the truth that I had a problem with alcohol and I'm not the type of person who can just have one drink. I have to live a totally sober life as a part of my journey and my healing and my story. Another area I was lying to myself about, and I know many of us do, is I was blaming others for problems in my life. I wasn't taking accountability for what was happening. If I was in a bad relationship, it was that they were doing the things that were causing the problems, and I wasn't taking responsibility for my part. I wasn't looking at myself and looking internally to go, what part am I playing in this problem? Even to the point of asking, what need am I getting met by being in a relationship with somebody that's just causing harm to me? And so when I started to get honest about those things and realized that, you know what, somehow this is meeting a need for me or I wouldn't be doing it. And then I've got to get down to what need is it meeting and then begin to realize that because I want that need to be met, I'm in this dysfunctional thing and I'm willing to stay in it. But then when I got honest about it, I really decided that, you know what, I can get that need met in another way. You see, that's what self-honesty does. It allows us to see what's going on with us, take an inventory, see where we're being unhealthy, where we're getting needs met in an unhealthy way, or unveiling the stories that we're telling ourselves, and then beginning to make changes. There's another thing that we do that's just not honest, and it's in relationship to shame. It is not an honest statement that you're fundamentally flawed, broken, unworthy of love, and unacceptable. Those are not true statements. They feel true, but we're lying to ourselves when we say those things about us. So we have to stop telling those kind of lies to ourselves as well. We have to stop telling the lies to ourselves that the person who caused the trauma to us did it because of XYZ reason. Doesn't matter what the XYZ reason, they caused trauma. We don't need to defend them. We don't need to find excuses for them. We don't need to be intellectually, emotionally dishonest with ourselves to try to find excuses for them. We also don't need to find the reason why we deserved it or how we contributed to it. That's another lie that we tell ourselves. So all of those lies, they begin to pile on and we need to start by being honest with ourselves. What are the lies that you're telling yourself right now? Are you telling yourself that you're unworthy, that you're bad, that there's something wrong with you? Are you trying to find out how you're the one who deserved the trauma? Or are you trying to find ways to make a case to why that other person might have been justified in their behavior? Are you in a relationship where you just keep trying to convince yourself that it's going to work out? You know, they talk about the definition of insanity, of doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So if we keep lying to ourselves and we keep telling ourselves a story, thinking that that's somehow going to serve us, we're winding up in patterns that are keeping us stuck. So let's start with being honest to ourselves. And I believe that when we're honest with ourselves, the ability to be honest with others comes a lot more naturally. 
So the second thing I want to talk about is becoming aware of the triggers that we have that cause us to lie. Are there certain scenarios, are there certain situations, or certain people that you kind of default to lying about or lying to? What are those things? Because when we can become aware of it, aware of what triggers us, what are the situations, what are the environments, what are the people, we can take an extra step to be a little bit more diligent, aware, and on guard that our behavior is typically going to lead us to say something or to lie or to do something that we don't want to do. For example, if you know that you usually lie about things at work, you usually lie if you're late to a meeting, or you usually lie if something is going to be turned in late or whatever the story is, I want you to take some time and think about why you lie about that. Why is that a trigger for you? Is there something that's motivating that lie to happen around appearances, around safety, or whatever the story is that's causing that lie to pop up in that specific scenario? What we're after in doing this, what we're after in trying to identify the triggers and the scenarios or the people in which we do this, we're trying to uncover something that probably will begin to reveal a pattern. Because we often think that we just lie kind of unconsciously or we're just telling lies to tell them and we're confused about our reasons for doing them and there seems to be no correlation to it. Well, that could be. I don't know your specific situation, but I bet you that if we took the time to understand when we're the most prone to lie, what are the places, the people, and the things that cause us to lie, we'll probably begin to see a pattern, and then we can go a layer deeper to go, what is it that we're feeling emotionally in that moment? What is it that's happening with us in that moment that begins to make us want to lie? And then how is that lie making us feel safe? Because even not wanting to look like you're irresponsible, and that's why you showed up late to the meeting, that's a sense of providing safety for you. Because now you're not feeling judged. You don't look like somebody who's incompetent. And all of that is producing a feeling of safety. So the important thing about this is to identify those patterns. Because in identifying the patterns, we'll begin to see what's underneath it. And when we begin to discover what's underneath it, Eureka, then we have something that we can work with and something that we can begin to heal. So let's go ahead and move on to number three, which is about starting to create a sense of safety around telling the truth and more specifically of telling the truth after we've lied. So these next two are where we begin to roll up our sleeves even a little bit more. So what we want to do in this scenario is that when we lie, we want to identify the fact that we've lied, and then we want to tell someone safe that we lied. What this is doing is it's beginning to provide a sense of safety in telling the truth. Because when you lie, you identify that you've done it, you go to somebody safe, and I'm not talking about the person that you lied to. I'm not saying that right off the bat, if you've lied to your boss, go in right away and tell him that you lied. I'm not asking you to go get fired tomorrow. What I am saying, though, is beginning to train ourselves that telling the truth is safe. And this is a great way to begin to do that because you told a lie, and now you're going to somebody safe telling them that you told a lie 
sharing what the experience was, and sharing why you think you lied. And you want to choose somebody who can meet you with empathy in that and understanding, and not somebody who's just going to totally dismiss it and say, oh, well, yeah, I get it. We all lie. No big deal. I'm not sure what you're worried about. You want to choose somebody who understands the fact that you're trying to move past lying and being dishonest and getting into more of a healthy place. And so this is somebody who's going to be a support mechanism for you. And so when you go to them and you share that you lied and you describe the circumstance, what you were feeling and how lying made you feel both safe and then later the shame that went with it, it'll begin to help you see why you're doing certain things. And it'll also begin to provide a sense of relief in now telling the truth about what actually happened. So you're repairing your relationship with truth and being met with a safe person. And so your system is beginning to feel a sense of safety in telling the truth. So the last thing I want to talk about, number four in this area, is going to the person that we lied to and telling them the truth about what actually happened, letting them know we lied to them and correcting the lie. I remember when I did this after I made a commitment to tell the truth as a part of my sobriety journey. I have a friend that I've had for 30 plus years and I was supposed to go out to his house and spend some time with him. And I decided that I didn't want to do it. I decided there were some other things that I wanted to do. And so I called him and told him that I had to cancel my trip to come see him because of some work things that came up. It was a flat out lie, total lie. And I lied and I justified the lie in my head because I didn't want to hurt his feelings. I didn't want him to think that something else was more important than him. I didn't want the impact on a relationship of me canceling the trip. But as soon as I hung up the phone, as soon as I told him that lie, hung up the phone, I immediately felt guilt. But more than that, I felt this violation towards myself of breaking my commitment to live a life of speaking the truth as a part of my sobriety journey, as a part of my growth journey. So within five minutes, I picked up the phone, I called him, and I said, listen, I want to let you know that I just lied to you. And I explained the reasons why. And I told him why I was afraid to tell him the truth about the lie. Well, it was painful for him to hear that, to be lied to from such a long-term friend, and it was painful for me to have to share that. But what it did was it reinforced my commitment to healing, to truth-telling, and it also did something else, which began to train my body and my system to know that if I told a lie, I'm going to have to circle back around and correct that lie And so it's a lot easier to tell the truth on the front end than deal with repairing the lie and the embarrassment that comes with that. So what I'm doing in that is I'm making it more painful to have to go back and correct a lie because my system knows now that if I lie, I'm going to go back and correct it. And so I'm creating more pain around that experience in my mind and my body. So I'm more likely to avoid that And the pain of telling the truth is a lot less than the pain of having to go back and say that I lied and try to fix that. I hope that makes sense. So 
this is one of those areas where you're just going to have to figure out what works for you, how you're going to journey around telling the truth to people and going back and telling the truth to them after you've lied to them. Because this is one of those crossing the threshold moments. We're actually beginning to repair that part of us that's been trained to lie by making lying more painful than truth telling. I do want to share one point around this for consideration. You know, one of the things in Alcoholics Anonymous that they talk about is making amends. But they also say that we make amends when it will not cause more harm, more pain to the person that we're trying to make amends with. So in going back and telling the truth to others and in practicing this, what I'm not advocating for is us clearing our conscience at the expense of somebody else, of creating a deeper pain for somebody else because we need to clear our conscience around a lie that we told. So sometimes we just need to suck it up that we did it and then commit to not doing it again. So as I close out today's episode, I hope that you found it helpful to understand how trauma really did mess up our relationship with truth, trained us to lie, taught us to lie, and then it just became this habit and this survival mechanism in our life. The good news is we don't have to stay in that. We don't have to stay in a pattern of lying and being dishonest to others and to ourselves. So as always, be gentle with yourself in this practice. Use what works for you. Don't try to force fit anything. Make sure you're taking care of yourself and honoring yourself and doing these things in a way that's really bringing life to you and not more pain to you. And just a reminder, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. You can leave those notes wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And you can also go to Instagram and find me there at Jerry A. Henderson. And you can also sign up for my newsletter at jerryhenderson.org, which will give you more information, keep you updated about all the things that are going on. Well, thank you as always for taking your time to listen. I'm so grateful that you're here. And I want to remind you, as always, you are worthy of your own love. I hope today's episode was valuable to you, that you gained some insights that are useful for you on your journey. If you did, I just want to ask that you would rate it, review it, and most importantly, that you would share it with somebody else because you never know the impact that it can have in their life. And finally, don't forget to subscribe because that'll let you know when new episodes are coming out. I want to encourage you as well that if you do need more resources, you can find me on jerryhenderson.org. That's my website. You can also find me on Instagram at jerryahenderson. Feel free to reach out to me there. Send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. I'm really grateful that you're here. And please don't forget, you are worthy of your own love. The Permission to Love podcast and the content posted by Jerry Henderson is presented solely for general information, entertainment, and educational purposes. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, psychotherapist, or other qualified professionals. It is not a substitute for diagnosis or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical or mental health condition that they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such condition.